Hi there, it's Sewa and welcome to episode 45 of the She's Off Script podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. Have you been thinking about taking the leap into entrepreneurship? If you're like me, you've probably obsessed, prayed, planned, and talked yourself in and out of it for months on end. Today, I'm narrowing in on the stories of five different women and the different ways they have taken the leap and launched their own unique off-script careers. So the first way to take the leap is to dive in headfirst and not let anything deter you from the path you know you should be on. You'll find that today's episode is a bit of a walk down memory lane for the show because first up we have actress Angela Lewis, who's currently a series regular on FX's Snowfall. In episode 10, Angela shared her full story with us. And what I love about her story is that she knew from the time she was in kindergarten that she wanted to act. Here's how Angela took the lead. It sounds like your parents were very supportive then of the acting path that you're on. Absolutely. I don't know how they couldn't have been because they kind of kicked it off. You know, Uh they, you know, took us to the theater. They put me in dance class. And so I enjoyed it and I excelled in it. And so I think it would have been pretty cruel to be like, oh, but no, you can't actually do this. So did you ever consider another career, though, or you were just dead set on on there were there were moments when I, I guess I got from the outside world that you had to have a real job. And so I would always be like, mm-hmm. OK, I'm going to be an actress and a lawyer. <laughs> and, or, uh, what was the other? An actress and I don't know, something else. It was always an actress and something else. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized, oh, no, you can actually do this. Then I cut everything out like, oh, now I'm going to be an actress. For that year after I graduated, I was teaching full time. And um, to save up money to move to New York. And Mm -hmm. the principal there offered me the job of department head for the performing arts department. Ah. And um, I, you know, explained to him when I was um, applying for the job that I was only going to be there for a year. And he knew that Mm -hmm. he was a former teacher of mine. And um, and when he offered me the, the job, I was like, oh. No, and so then when 9/11 happened, and I had the choice to still move or stay, mm-hmm. and if I stay, I'm going to take this job, and that's going to be it. And right, I, you'll get comfortable, exactly. And I knew that I would live with regrets, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to live that way. And through her persistence and hard work, Angela has found success in Hollywood. A big congratulations to her and her husband who are expecting their first child in just a few weeks. You can find and follow Angela at loveangelalewis on Instagram. Next up, we have Abby Salami, who was our first guest almost a year ago. Like so many others, she felt pressured by her parents to go down a more traditional career path. She was a director of investor relations until her company got sold. At this point, she was faced with the choice of finding a new corporate job or pursuing her lifelong dream of becoming an artist. Abby's experience perfectly illustrates the second way most people choose to take the leap. You come to your crossroads in life and have to make a decision that reflects who you are and where you want to go. You recently then pivoted from what looks to have been a great career with a role as a director of investor relations and strategic planning at a Fortune 500 company. What gave you confidence to make that change? 
<laughs> I was the decision was kind of made for me. Um, my company was purchased in August of last okay. year by one of our competitors. And um, being in investor relations, I kind of already had all that information up front. I knew back in December um, of of that would have been sixteen. Yeah, I knew mm-hmm. back in December of sixteen that company is going to get sold. Um, okay. So I was already thinking like, okay, what do I do next? But at the time I wasn't thinking art. I was just thinking to find another finance job, but maybe something a little less financy and maybe, maybe something like marketing or something like that. Like had a little more, more of an element to, of art to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it just series of events. Finally, I mean, I was just painting a lot and it was just like, wait, maybe I could just, do this full time. Oh. <laughs> it's like, it's a huge gamble. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. But I mean, it, I, what I tell everybody is, you know, I got laid off from my job. I got a severance. Um, I basically have like a runway to go chase this art career. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, I still have my CPA. I still have my master's degree. Right. I can always go get a job. Like it's not, that's not like, I'm not going to be poor. I'm not going to be in the streets, homeless. Um, <laughs> there's like several, there's several iterations before I like, it was like, oh, she's really hit rock bottom. So it's one of those things where I felt like as far as risk, it's a very safe risk mm-hmm. to take at this, at this point, like maybe earlier on in my career it would have been completely reckless, but right now it, it didn't it doesn't feel as risky. Like it is not, it's scary, but it's not as scary, if that makes any sense. So you were kind of giving us insight into your internal dialogue just then. So mm-hmm. what boxes did you have to check off for yourself before you knew, okay, this is a safe calculated risk I'm comfortable taking? Right. So um, the severance basically gave me like a year of runway as far as like okay. living expenses. Mm-hmm. So that, that I was like, okay, I could take a year and really just dive into this. And I think it's not, it's not like I would just be depleting my severance. I'm making money. I've been selling paintings. I've been doing shows and all that good stuff. So it's being replenished, just not as the same rate as it's being spent. Right, so right. Like I'm creating, so I'm like, so I have a year's one way, but I'm still extending the runway anytime I sell a painting, anytime I do a show. And as I'm making money, the runway gets, you know, further and further out. Like, you don't have to go back to corporate. It's been almost a year since we had Abby on the show, and she's still going strong, featuring her pieces in art shows and galleries all over the country. And I'm really rooting for her, so check her out at abby.m.salami on Instagram. Our third type of leap is the cold turkey quit. In episode 17, we heard from Jessica Nabongo. By most standards, she was very successful in her corporate job, but was just not happy. One day, she quit her job in pharmaceutical sales and went to teach in Japan. Today, she's well on her way to becoming the first Black woman to travel to all 195 countries. Here's how Jessica decided to take the leap and go off script. I was very active on campus and I ended up joining a program called Inroads. Mm -hmm. And I wound up actually, uh, upon graduation, I ended up working for a pharmaceutical company doing pharmaceutical sales which was a very lucrative career. And I was working in Metro Detroit. I bought this beautiful two-bedroom, two-bath condo on the riverfront. I could see Canada from my window. Um, Living the life. Right, I was vacationing (laughs) in Miami and New York and Paris and London. 
Um, and you know, disposable income was mm-hmm. a plenty. I had lots of shoes. Uh, I would go shopping every weekend and like Neiman's, and I was not happy. So, you know, I had this life that everyone, you know, aspires to or says, this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy. And, um, you know, there were a series of events that took place, but it, it ended up in me one day leaving work and going home and Googling teaching jobs in Japan. Hmm. So I had a friend who was living in Japan at this time. I had always been interested in Japanese culture. Um, I had been interested in the um, linguistics of Japanese because there's some similarities with Luganda, which is my parents' native tongue. And so I was like, hmm, Japan, that sounds cool. And so I applied for a job and I got it. Oh, okay. My job. And it was crazy because my company laid off 20,000 people and I didn't get laid off. And when my manager called me, I was so disappointed. And he's like, oh, I don't think you understood correctly. You didn't get laid off. And I was like, yeah, but I wanted to be laid off. Right. I wanted the the payout. Um, And so I actually quit. Like, I, I think like, after the layoffs, maybe I quit like a month later. Mm. And my manager was like, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. You're, you're young. Because I think at that time, I was 23. So I had a very lucrative job. I didn't get laid off when they laid off 20,000 people. And I, here I was quitting this job. And it was going into the economic downturn. Right. I mean, mm. you know how bad it was going to get because this was February 2008. Right. But we all knew... You don't leave a lucrative job. But for me, I was too unhappy to care. And so I left. And I, my family was like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, that's and what I, I want to know. As the child of an African immigrant myself, I want to know, what did they say? They were just like, what are you doing? My father passed by then, but my mom and my, my mom's brothers, like, because on top of that, I shaved my head. So they're really like, what is going on? My uncle was like, you look like a boy. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, leave me alone. And I went and it was scary at first because I had never been to Asia. I had done my fair bit of travel with my family. I think by that point I had been to like eight countries and maybe one or two territories, mm-hmm. um, but I'd never been to Asia. And so the first time I went to Asia was when I was moving. And I remember getting on the plane and no one looked like me. And I'm like, wow, this is about to be my life for the next year. And I landed in Japan, you know, and so it it was a really interesting experience in the beginning. And I was definitely a little bit depressed, uh, but ended up having the best year of my life. Oh, wow. Prior to launching your boutique travel firm, which we'll, we'll get into later on, I get the impression that you felt pulled between the world of entrepreneurship and working for a traditional organization or corporation like, you know, you work for the UN and USAID. So could you share how ultimately you decided to go the entrepreneurial route? Yeah, it's funny because I always joke and I'm like, I'll never be an entrepreneur. I don't have a hustle bone in my body. All <laughs> I know is like how to succeed in, in school and uh, in traditional workspaces. And so I think for me, it came to a head. I lived abroad for seven years and then I moved to D.C. and was working for a consulting firm through which I was working for USAID. And I was so unhappy. Mm. It was the first time I'd ever worked in an American office space. Because before with the pharmaceutical company, we go to doctor's offices. We didn't have an office. Right. It was the first time I worked in a cubicle. And it was horrendous. And 
also that was fall of 2014. So socially America was just being upended um, with police violence against mm-hmm. black people in Ferguson. I remember sitting in my living room with my roommate, who was a very good friend of mine, Anthony. Um, we He's from Detroit as well. We went to middle school and high school together. And I remember sitting in our living room and watching the prosecutor from Ferguson tell us that they weren't even going to take the case to trial. Mm-hmm. And I just remember becoming so depressed and just feeling so hopeless about the country that I was I had just returned to. And those feelings persisted. And uh, during that year, I just knew I was like, I can't do this, period. Like, I, I simply cannot. It's either like, it's stay here and do this and die or like figure something else out. Mm-hmm. And so summer of 2015, a friend of mine was engaged and which I found out Well, I knew, but in April I saw him at a show and, um, you know, I said to him like, Oh, you and your, your wife, you guys should honeymoon somewhere in Africa. Cause you know, you're a prominent figure. And I just thought like, you can help to change the narrative. And he was like, well, plan it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So I planned this honeymoon for him, not even thinking about starting a business. Um, and I did it and it was great. And he said it was like the best uh, trip of his life. And then, yeah, that's really how Jet Black started. As of this week, Jessica is traveling to country 188 of 195. And I am so excited to see her complete this journey. Head over to her Instagram at the Catch Me If You Can to see how you can support her. Our fourth type of leap is the side hustle transition. In episode 19, Monet Hambrick, the founder of The Traveling Child, shared how her family travel blog went from a hobby to a viable career. Believe it or not, even women with young children are finding ways to make calculated leaps. Unofficially in 2016 and officially in 2017 was when I created the LLC for my business. It's called The Traveling Child. And I partner with the travel brands to promote destinations, travel services, products um, that are in line with traveling with your family or even just traveling, even if you don't have kids. And in addition to that, I also do freelance writing for Essence and Travago Magazine, as well as the Point Sky family. November 2018, you quit your full-time job and transitioned to working part-time and remotely. So how did you rationalize making that change and were you at all hesitant? So I had been feeling just law about my job for a while. Mm -hmm. Just like, this is not what I'm passionate about. Like some days I'm like crying in the morning because I'm like, I do not want to go here. Like I do not want to get on the bus for 6.40 a.m. to go to work to not get home until 6.30, 7 o'clock. You know, I just like didn't want to do that anymore. And just with my blog so far, it had kind of given me the opportunity to be able to to go part-time. I was so nervous. I mean, I talked to like my husband and my friends multiple times. They're like, but one of my friends, like, she's like, I don't understand why you still work. They're like, just quit. I'm like, that's easy for you to say because you're not going to be the one that's paying my mortgage mm-hmm. and my bills and the kids prepaid and like all these things. Like you're not going to contribute to helping me pay my bills if like this does not work. Right. But you know what? At the same time, it was like, I feel like everything that you do in your life leads up to something and prepares mm-hmm. you for something. Mm-hmm. But once I did it, do you know that two weeks later, I got the biggest partnership of my life. And I feel like it was like, having that job was holding me back 
because I didn't have the time to give 150% effort, you know? So it was like, it was holding me back. And once I released that, it was like, oh, this was coming in and this was coming in and this was coming in. And then like, I wasn't feeling stressed about like, okay, I got my full-time job. I got the kids. I got my Mm -hmm. husband like this. I feel like God was like, I've been trying to tell you that this is not working out. Like you keep right. getting frustrated. Things keep happening, but you're not listening to mm-hmm. me. Now it's been like such a blessing to be able to have the flexibility of working remotely, spending more time with my children, mm-hmm. having to work on a traveling child and really be able to build my business to hopefully get you to a place where I don't have to have my part-time job anymore. And I can't just do this full time. Monet is one of my favorite boss mamas on Instagram. She just wrote her first book documenting her travels with her family. I believe the first one covers their trip to Brazil. You can follow her travels and support her on Instagram at The Traveling Child. Now, our final type of leap is a bit more of a winding path that eventually leads us to where we are meant to be. In episode two, Corey Hale shared how she never thought she would end up starting her own media company. She tried to run away from her calling by deferring grad school, but eventually took the plunge. Here's how Corey made the leap. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be in media, I would have laughed at you. Like, (laughs) no, I won't be. I have no aspirations to be in media. I don't know anyone that works in the industry. And I'm really good at math and finance. And this is what I want to do. I was very happy doing... um, finance. And I just think a higher power really spoke to me and kind of said, you know, this is really what your path is. This is what you should be doing. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of went with that and decided to apply to only one grad school. I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply to the number one journalism school in the country. Because if I get in, then that's a sign from God and I should go. Wow. So I got in and I didn't go. I got in and I actually deferred my acceptance and stayed at Goldman another year. And Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like, because you kind of put things out in the universe and I really am a firm believer in the stuff you put out there in the universe, the universe is conspiring to get you what you want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might be throwing things out in the universe that even internally, you're not really ready to process or digest. And I think that was kind of what happened with the grad school. I wasn't ready to really take that leap of faith and go into journalism. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, I just thought they also gave me a, you know, a chance to defer your acceptance for a year. So I quickly take that <laughs> box and it was like, yes, we'll defer for a year. Thank you very much for the offer. Um, and then I went and it was a really good experience. I was a 27 year old intern at Bloomberg TV when I graduated. I was interning mm-hmm. with kids literally that were 10 years younger than me. But in a way, we were on the same level and it was necessary because I did need to start at the very, very bottom. So I went from a very good job and making very good money to literally mm-hmm. being a 27-year-old intern. Um, so there are a lot of things that I needed to process with that entire um, job. And from interning at Bloomberg. I ended up becoming a producer working, as we like to say in TV, everybody pays their dues. So I was working overnight producing for Europe. Um, And during the day, I was actually a correspondent for thestreet.com. So I literally slept four hours a day for almost an entire year. 
And that is paying some dues. More wow. dues than first time I would wish <laughs> on anyone. Um, but in the meantime, too, working these two jobs, trying to figure out how the heck to get out of these two jobs because I'm mm-hmm. dying, literally suffocating. Um, so trying to find another job. And luckily, a producer, an executive producer at CNBC saw a video that I did for the street.com, sent me a generic LinkedIn. Oh, you know, I'd like to add you to my LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, network. And instead of just accepting, I wrote back three sentences like, hi, I'm Corey Hale. This is what I do. Used to be an investment banker. Want to know more about, you know, working at CNBC. And mm-hmm. he and I started talking via LinkedIn. That turned into emails, which eventually led to interviews and getting the job at CNBC. So nice. I was a TV producer there for a couple years. So now I'm very happy because I have one job. Right. <laughs> it's during regular daylight hours. You would have <laughs> thought I won the lottery. That's how happy I was. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be up like and not just dead tired. And then I'm going to, because I was also working six days a week because I was working European hours as well. Ah. So Um. At this point, are you regretting the move to leave Goldman? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. But not not because I miss doing what I was doing. I miss the security that I feel Mm -hmm. comes with, even though it's it's a false sense of security, because that's absolutely what it is when you work for these bigger organizations. But you feel like, okay, well, I'm at least able to pay my bills and do that. And like, Mm -hmm. I was a contract worker at both of these organizations at Bloomberg and the street.com. Like there was no game. I was killing myself. I was making good money between the two jobs, but any moment, which is what happened, like one of the jobs could go away. Right. And so I needed, I wasn't sure if maybe this was really the purpose that God had for my life. Maybe I just made this whole thing up. And I will say they were moving the operation that I was doing at Bloomberg, the overnight um, production back to London. Mm -hmm. And this is a true story. Literally two weeks before the operation in New York was going to end, I finally got the job off from CNBC. Wow. Amazing Um, timing. Yes. And I've been talking to them for at least two or three months at this point. It just was Mm -hmm. taking forever as big organizations do. They tend to take a Mm -hmm. very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, while I'm suffocating between all this work, waiting on them to like make a decision. And then I'm about to be out of jobs altogether. Like I have no idea like how I'm going to make it. Right. And the job comes through with CNBC, which, which is great in terms of, yes, now I'm going to have a full-time job and blah, blah, blah. But more so it was affirmation that I was on the right path and that I mm-hmm. needed to keep going and I needed to keep learning. And so right. from CNBC, I used to book this guy, very quirky individual by the name of John Steinberg, who was the president of BuzzFeed at the time. And then he went on to become the CEO of the Daily Mail. And he was just one of hundreds of guests that we would book to come on the live shows at CNBC. He decides to launch his own media startup called Cheddar and was Mm -hmm. like, hey, you should come over because... I understand you want to get back on camera full time. And like, we don't have anyone that really has live TV experience and has an actual credentialed banking background like you do. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. Like, I want to own my own company anyway. Like this isn't, CNBC isn't going to get me that. And I want to speak to a very diverse audience. And CNBC doesn't care about that either. 
So I went over to Cheddar and it was great. Then I was down at the stock exchange, actually ended up becoming the first African-American woman to anchor a daily news show from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And it's like 200 plus year history. And I thought, oh, this is great. Like now I'm reaching the people I intended to reach all those years ago when I left Goldman when, or not necessarily when I left Goldman, when I first started the process of even applying to graduate school, right? To say, mm-hmm. this is the path I think I want to take. So that started back in 2010. So in my mind, I've been on this eight year, almost nine year journey to this point. Right. And then I was like, you know what? This is not actually reaching the demographic that I want to reach. So let me kind of figure out what I need to do next. At this point, I've been with the big Wall Street firms. I just thought if someone who can already speak this financial lingo and has worked for the best business news networks can't launch their own media company or figure out how to do so, Mm -hmm. especially with other people that don't have nearly the amount of experience behind them and they're doing it, then there's something wrong. And if you... I know people say it all the time. If you don't focus on yourself, if you don't take a chance on yourself, no one else will. Right. That's exceptionally true. And also like you got to be able to really live in the tension of it all. Corey is continuing to build her media platform and recently launched a digital news series called Game Changers. You can connect with Corey and read breaking news at Culture Banks on social media. So after listening to these five ladies, we see that there's no right way to take the leap. These five women took different paths that landed them where they needed to be at that moment in their lives. I would love to hear how you have taken the leap. Comment on this week's Instagram post or send me a DM at She's Off Script. With that, I'll talk to you next week for another conversation that will hopefully get us closer to our unique blueprints for success. Bye. I'm so glad you made it to the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please go on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. As always, don't forget to share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, anyone who cares to listen. We'll talk to you next time.